Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I am awfully glad that we're going to be together for a while. I hope you can spend all two hours with me. I'm going to get started with uh, my friend Patrick. I always like getting things uh, started on a little bit of a lighter note. I think we have plenty of hard things in this world. I know Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I sometimes wonder if Christians are characterized as people of good cheer, Certainly helps, and I like uh, I like a good smile and a chuckle and a laugh. And as we know, a merry heart is like good medicine that comes right out of Proverbs. And Patrick is not only my friend and confidant from the great state of Iowa, but he uh, resides in the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Patrick, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, technically, I'm in a town called Clive, Clive, which Iowa. Sort yeah. of just yeah, it sort of touches on West Des Moines. It's part of the the West Des Moines collection. <laughs> Have I been living a lie all these years? Are you not really no, no, even no, in West no, Des Moines? No. You know, it, it's, I, I ran into somebody the other day, and uh, they were from Chicago, and I said, I'm from Chicago, and they say, what part? And then, then if if you know this, you have to fess up and mention that you're from the suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> and you mm-hmm. say, well, I'm from a town, I grew up in a town called Arlington Heights, and then, so, now, if it's another suburban, I they go, hey, and then they mention their suburb. But if it's a true Chicagoan, they look at you with a little bit of scorn. <laughs> yeah. Like, how dare you say you're from Chicago? You are not from Chicago. <laughs> you are from a, a suburb. You're yeah. Not, yeah. And it's, I mean, a true Chicago person, in fact, if you were to say to them, if you were to ask them, you know, what state do you live in? They would say, I live in the state of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> You'd say, no, but, but what state is Chicago? And they'd say, Chicago isn't in a state. Chicago is just Chicago. And they would be surprised if you were to say, you actually live in Illinois. They go, no, I, no, no, I live in Chicago. That's Chicago. very funny. You know, we love our connection points, don't we? We, we just love w- when we hear somebody say something, we love to try to connect to that as fast as we can. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I, I it's, it is kind of fun to... Uh, look at maybe we're always trying to find what we have in common with people. Or uh, I remember uh, when I first moved to Los Angeles, there were always these pockets of people that were from somewhere. So there was the Chicago people that hung out together. They just said, "Well, you, <laughs> yeah. you're like me." And then there were the Ohio people. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know, sometimes the Midwestern towns would mix just a little bit. You know, <laughs> nothing crazy, of course. But as you move all the way out to Los Angeles, and what do you do? You find people from your hometown. Yeah. Because you say, you understand me. You get me. I think such a powerful tool in sharing your faith, evangelism, is just trying to find a little common ground. I I know people are always willing to carry on the conversation to the next level when they start to feel like, oh, you're from the Chicago area. Yeah, well, I grew up in in, in the area, and... All of a sudden, you've got your next uh, your next talking point. Yeah, 
And of, course, and of course, you know, the bigger the place you're from, the more you have to start subdividing. True. So if you were to say you meet somebody from Chicago, you say, oh, Chicago, and you say, uh, hang on, hang on, before, <laughs> we, before we become friends, Cub fan, White Sox fan. Yeah. Can't be both. Right. Pick one. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, when you, you know, like I say, the, the bigger, the, the bigger, the town that you are from, the more you have to start subdividing saying, are you uh, from the Northwest suburbs? Cause those, that's where I'm from. We speak a different language there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Just, I don't know. I mean, Minnesota's got a little bit of that, doesn't we, it? Well, we have Minneapolis and St. Paul and yeah. you know, they're both lovely towns and there, there are, there are certain things though about. St. Paulites and and people that live in Minneapolis, they don't always, you know, meet at the same place. They have differences and, uh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. I I guess the test to, you know, that you have to take to decide which city you belong in is pretty tough, isn't it? You have to, do they make you, you know, it's like, we have to see if you're, if you're acceptable to us St. Paulians. Is that how it goes? Um, I, yeah, I think it's pretty much where you grew up. I think that's going to be Just the deciding point. Yeah. 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 That's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. So uh, over the weekend, I was thinking of things that once were but are now no longer. Uh, little things like, you know, in the mm-hmm. 80s, you couldn't say, you know, I lost my phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you couldn't say that because <laughs> if you lost it I don't know where it went I mean it's this huge uh, yellow thing that sits on the kitchen counter or hangs on the kitchen counter wall yeah. you couldn't lose it no it I mean an option. I, I, no I remember when the, when the first uh cordless cordless phones came out and you know you you could go a few feet from the hand the <laughs> the base is that the one where you had to pull up the antenna about 22 inches yes yeah okay yeah, yeah. and then you kind of walked around the house and you thought it was pretty neat and then of course that created a whole new series of problems like where's the phone that's true because it's no longer hung up on the wall uh my, my the, friends yeah it was also the size of a you know a, an ice skate so Yes, it's not kind of hard, hard, hard to find. No, I mean, my friend's dad had one of those early cell phones that uh, I think the the battery and the transmitter took up your trunk. <laughs> I don't know if you remember those. <laughs> I think I had one of those. It was an yeah. all day install and, on my car. It's an eight hour install. Yeah, and uh, I, you know we were pretty young, and so sometimes when he'd come by, we were going to go to lunch, and he would call us, you know, from like a block away. Uh, and I think it cost like three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you could only afford to say hello and goodbye. It was like a dollar nineteen a minute. Yeah, he's like, I'll be there in one minute. I gotta hang up. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Those were uh, those were pretty fun. Yeah. Well, speaking of cars, I mean, there was once a time because my aunt used to do this all the time. Not only did you park your car in the street in front of the house, you didn't lock it, and you left your keys in the ignition. Yeah. Well, how many movies have we seen where the, you know, the keys are kept above the visor? I mean, I can't believe that trick still works. That <laughs> trick still still works. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. I worked at a car dealership for a while and I said, are you guys are kidding me. You, you're keeping the keys above the visors. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody knows this trick. Uh, yeah, you could do that. You know, it's funny. I had a car with uh, those T-tops, so it wasn't a convertible and it didn't have a sunroof. It, you know, there's like two removable panels. 
And uh, those were actually popular to steal. But for some reason, mine never got stolen. And I would leave my car open, T-tops off, windows down. I would – I'd – park it outside overnight. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. <clears throat> and years later, you know, I moved to Los Angeles and uh, I think I'd been there just a, a handful of months. I got held up at gunpoint. Then my car's stereo was stolen. Then my car was stolen. Mm. Then the stereo got stolen out of the new car. <laughs> then that car got stolen. And then two more stereos got stolen. And I got to the point where I said, you know, I think what I will do is I will leave my car unlocked with the windows down so at least when they steal the stereo, they don't break the window. And that was my solution. So I did kind of get back to how it used to be, except every now and then I had to go down and say, eh, stereo's gone again. Mm-hmm. Aren't people in Los, time. Aren't people familiar with the Eighth Commandment out in Los Angeles, thou shalt not steal? What is with that? I don't know if they call it stealing there. What do they call it? I think borrowing. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I actually knew a guy who uh, um, he was actually a magician, so that tells you right away he was maybe a questionable character. Yeah. He used to hang out at the magic shop, and uh, he sold car stereos. And uh, then I saw in the newspaper one day he was arrested for stealing car stereos. <laughs> <laughs> and he had set up a little business where he would steal car stereos from cars in the apartment complex where he lived, and then everybody knew that he was the car stereo guy, where if you needed a stereo for cheap, you could buy them from him. And one guy ended up buying his own stereo back and realized, this is my stereo. <laughs> and that's how they caught him. Well, he deserved to get caught. All right, yeah. Patrick, now you've got a major activity going on in the state of Iowa from what you shared with me about people biking across the state for, for like eight days. Now, I'm curious because it sounds kind of interesting, except for the biking for eight days straight part. Yeah. Okay. And and this thing is, it, it was confusing to me too, because so, so let's say you're taking a vacation and they'll tell you it's five days, four nights. And you say, well, that makes sense, you know, because there's days and then I'm only there for those four nights. This thing is billed as seven days, eight nights. And I've been kind of racking my brain trying to figure out where's the extra night? How did you take an extra night? Is it just because it's a bike ride? But it starts with the first night, you don't do anything, you just spend the night. And then you start riding your bike okay. for seven days, approximately 500 miles. It's called the Register's Annual Great Bike Ride Across Iowa, RAGBRAI. Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't have to do all of it. And it, it was started 50 years ago in 1973 by two guys that worked for the Register. They, it was kind of a promotional stunt to sell newspapers. So I always look at it, I say, this is the world's longest paper route. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's about 500 miles. Yeah, it's, this year it's 500 miles. And so people will do, I think they have almost 30,000 people registered to do the whole wow. trip. All seven days. And you just, you ride your bike through rural Iowa, stopping all these small towns that roll out the red carpet for you. They're just happy to have you know, people there mm -hmm. uh, coming through to taste, you know, the local food and specialties. And uh, then they'll, uh, each night they'll have a band play. Uh, when it comes through Des Moines, Leonard Skinner is, is a band that's playing. Wow. So I don't know if that's, if that's good for Leonard Skinner, or if you say, well, that's the end of your career right there. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you guys used to play to 50,000 people, what do you do now? We do bike rides. Yeah. We pretty much just do the bike rides. Yeah. So, uh, um, 
my brother-in-law wanted to do it. His son didn't. He asked my son, who said he he loves riding his bike. He rides all the time. And I thought, well, I should tag along. You know, this is kind of a cool experience. And we're only going to do uh, half of one day. Okay. So it'll be about 25 miles. Uh, my brother-in-law says he figures we'll stop seven times. So I'm thinking, I could do this. <laughs> right. Now, you know, as you three, stop, as you're making stops, yeah. you're 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 coming up against you know food trailers and ice cream and all kinds of stuff, right? You could actually gain weight on this bike trip. I yes, I could I could burn ten thousand calories and consume twenty, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I, I think is the ideal plan. Uh, but uh, you know, I've been here, I've lived here. We just bought our house fifteen years. I've been living living in Iowa fifteen years, and wow. I've always read about this thing, and I th- and I just thought, well, I'm not really, you know, a passionate bike rider. You know, I I dusted the thing off today, and uh, I took one of the training wheels off. Still can do it. So <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> had to raise the seat just yeah. a wee tad. Yes. Yeah. You still got the ringer, the ringer bell on the on the handlebar. I'm- Yes, I do. It's, yeah. it's more like that clown horn. I yeah. got them. I got them both. And do you put playing cards uh, in the spokes just to make that noise? Yes. Good. Yeah. So I used to. Remember, do you remember that Varum engine that you could put on your bike? It was no. a little battery operated thing. Oh, yeah. It made it sound like a motorcycle. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. It was called a Varum. Okay. And uh, yeah, there was a there was a there was an age you could have it where you were cool, and then there was a you would get one year older, and it was. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a Chicago suburbs kind of thing to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was uh, quite a great gadget. We uh, we had a go-kart race on our street. All the kids were building go-karts, and my friends and I hid one of those in ours, and at the start of the uh, race, <laughs> we, we fired up the engine, and they all looked at us <laughs> like, that's not fair. <laughs> uh, let me take a little break. Patrick Albanese is my guest. We're getting things started. Uh, if you have a question or comment, we'll always love to hear from you. 877-933-2484. Be right back. Hi there and welcome. If you are a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome packet gift. Request yours today at myfaithradio.com. Welcome to the show. Patrick Albanese is my guest as we get things started. I was during the break, Patrick, I was thinking about this guy you knew that would uh, sell cassette players that he did not obtain legally. And (laughs) I I was just thinking about how dulled we've become to thievery and and people stealing and carjacking and you know, you have a $950 uh, maximum you can steal before they're going to arrest you. And I'm thinking, what has happened that we uh, yeah, do I, not uh, obey the Eighth Commandment? Thou shalt not and, steal. And, and uh, there was a, I don't know if you remember Judge Robert Bohr. I do, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he had written a book called Slouching Toward Gomorrah. I remember and that. He, he, yeah. He talked about a thing called the sliding deviancy scale. And that it's it's almost like we as uh, people can only tolerate so much craziness in our life. And so one of the things we tend to do as a society 
is we start accepting pre- previously, you know, undesirable behavior. We start to say, well, that's not so bad. So we can make room for the new crazy behavior because we, it's almost like we can't take so much. So I, like, I remember, you know, the first time, um, a stereo got stolen from me, I, you know, you, you think you, you can't fathom this, this is how somebody makes their living. They get up, I'm guessing two to three in the afternoon. Cause <laughs> I don't, I don't think this is an early morning riser type of job. Mm-hmm. And then they look, uh, they start looking in night in cars and then they break the window and they rip out a stereo and then they take it someplace to sell it. You can't fathom it. And it bothers you for quite some time because it's a violation and you say, well, you know, I worked really hard to earn the money to get that. And then somebody in about a minute took possession of it Yeah. for, for no money. And for very little effort for them. And you thought, well, I, I worked weeks. That, that cost a lot of money to do that. And then I think by the time my third or fourth stereo got stolen, I, I, I kind of look and I go, oh. And I, I, I mean, actually, when my second car got stolen, it, the, when the police came by, they said, you know, you don't really seem to be bothered a whole lot by this. I go, eh, it's happened before. I said, I, it's not that I was accepting it. I just got used to it. How did, yeah, you're right. How did we get there? I don't know how we got there. Mm-mm. Because we just accept certain things, don't we? Well, there's usually, like you said, something even more outrageous that's going on that supersedes something as like a car theft, like somebody smashed your window and took your briefcase and people don't respond very much to that. It's like, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's, we didn't have as a kid, I, actually, we had one thing stolen from us as a kid, but I, and I've kind of gone back in my memory and I realized that I might've been pranked by my mother. Um, we had gone to Columbus, Ohio for one of the family vacations. It was the same family vacation every other year. We didn't take them every year and we always went. And my uncle Eddie, uh, kind of an entrepreneurial type guy, had a mini bike that he let us play with the whole week. Wow. While we were in Columbus. And so we had fun. And then my uncle Eddie, the magnanimous guy that he was, said, you kids keep it. Whoa. Much, much to the, <laughs> uh, I don't want to say astonishment of my mother and father. My dad was like, cool. My mom was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So wouldn't you know, not much ever got taken from us, but that mini bike somehow or another managed to get stolen out of our garage shortly after we got home from Columbus, Ohio. And I think back ago, my mom really did not want us to have that thing. And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, maybe it got stolen or maybe my mom just gave it to somebody. Mm-hmm. Mike uh, said, I am from Connecticut. I still have the room on my stingray, but it's no longer cool. It, see, he, he had that birthday. <laughs> <laughs> he, he hit that point where it was no longer cool. Well, yeah. I sent you a copy of like the 1963 commercial. So uh, when you uh, play it, you'll just laugh. Yeah. You'll say, well, I, that's pretty good sound. <laughs> that's pretty good sound. Yeah. No, and it fit perfectly on a Stingray bicycle, by the way. Another nice comment, Patrick, uh, from... Janet, not your wife, I assume, but Janet said, Patrick is one of my favorite guests. Uh, uh, A year ago or so, I suggested you and he do a show at Northwestern. 
I'm waiting. Perhaps you need a oh. manager. I'm volunteering. Wow. That's nice. We do need a manager, don't we? <laughs> I don't know. What would a manager do with us? Seriously. I scold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you guys have any material? Nope. No. No, 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 no. We're, we're working on yeah. it, though. And we've got a couple now, of minutes catch before any the of, show starts. Yeah. Did you catch any of Shark Week? See, No, what I, is you that? Know, well, they, 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 they run show after show after show on, I don't know how many different channels, maybe just one, and it's all shark related. What do you mean? Like shark attacks. Why would I watch that? I, well, I, you know, <laughs> let's put it this way. I'm afraid to go into a kiddie pool now. Yeah. You know, those sharks are everywhere. I, in fact, after about 168 hours of just continual programming of shark attack, shark attack, shark attack, shark attack, they sum up the week with... Really, there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> we, 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 we watched one whole hour of a show where they said shark attacks have doubled at this, this one area. And so they send investigative reporters down and they have various experts in. They try all these experiments with, experiments with clouding the water. And they, they're trying to figure out why have these shark attacks nearly doubled. And at the end of the hour... They say, well, it turned out that 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 summer was a summer of festivals and the beaches were twice as crowded. (laughs) I am not kidding. That was the, I I said, we just wasted an hour of our lives. I could have solved that if you would have just said, by the way, (laughs) there's there's this bike ride going on and everybody has to ride through the ocean and more (laughs) shark attacks. So I'm I'm sorry. Sorry you missed the shark week. Yeah, that's all right. I came to an understanding a long time ago. I don't go into their house. They don't come into mine. That's the deal. As far as you know. Well, yeah, yeah, as far as I know. I had a friend that uh, he he was one of those karma believers. And he said that, uh, you know, if it is my destiny to be attacked by a shark, it'll probably be while I'm lying in a chair on the beach. Uh It'll just come ashore (laughs) and it will get me. Mm -hmm. So I may as well go in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have have trouble pronouncing any, any words? You, you find yourself going, well, why am I having a hard time pronouncing that word? I, I do have, just me? Uh, um, I, I have an occasional mush mouth um, type of, uh, it's almost like an attack. It just okay. kind of, I try to say something and a word it does not come out correctly. I have, what was this tongue twister? The, the only thing that could set me straight when I was having difficulty uh, trying to pronounce a word. Are you ready for this? Yeah. What time does the wristwatch strap shop shut? <laughs> That's impressive. If you can say that quickly, I, you can pretty much handle any word thrown at you. Interesting. And I don't care what language language it's in. See, okay, I just okay. messed up a word. <laughs> okay, pronounce this word. M-O-L-L-U-S-K. Mollusk. All right, now pluralize some sort it. Of fish. Now, now add an S and pluralize it. So you don't know, you don't know when to shut it off. That's what my problem was the other day. All right, Patrick, we got to call it a day. I hope uh, you have a great rest of the week and I look forward to doing this again next Monday. Sounds great. See you then. Thanks. Patrick Albanese has been my guest and friend to get things started. We'll be right back with Pastor David Miles.
that smooth jazz. Ready for the Monday afternoon mix. It's not quite as mixed as it once was without Rosie B, but Pastor David Miles is with me. And maybe we'll add to Ryan in one of these days. Who knows? David, yeah. how are you? You know what? I'm doing all right. Still in that recovery mode. And uh, yeah, so. Continue to pray for you, brother, that all of this will be behind you soon. Yeah, um, looking forward to it. And at the same time, you know, um, trying to eke out, for lack of a better word, you know, trying to maximize whatever it is the Lord's wanting to teach and show me and grow me. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't necessarily choose sometimes these kind of deep uh, character building moments. And, um, you know, I can't remember, was it C.S. Lewis that, uh, you know, God whispers in the good time, but shouts with the megaphone and in times of pain. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that was him or Dr. Carl Meidinger who wrote the book, Whatever Became of Sin. I'm not sure which one of them did, but I I, I think it's Lewis who's, who noted that kind of juxtapose, that, uh, that, that pain and trial um, and th- different things like that have a way of um, ex- accentuating and, and uh, giving us greater hearing abilities and seeing abilities. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who might have just tuned in and missed last week, David was talking about some of the trials that he's been going through that are not very pleasant. They are health-related, and uh, one of them landed you uh, in the hospital for a couple of days with a little bit of surgery and a great deal of pain, and you're, you're sitting there going, how do, I, how do I get on the other side of this? Lord, help me. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of an interesting thing, and it kind of baffled the doctors uh, in ways because my, like my health numbers were so, you know, very good. And, you know, a few years ago, um, you know, I was grading papers for my students at Northwestern, uh, you know, great school that makes up our, you know, uh, KTS and Faith Talk Radio family, um, and was watching, you know, presidential elect debate. And, and I was thinking something different than what other people were. But the thought that hit me was, here's a 72-year-old and a 76-year-old, whatever anyone thinks about that, that was that's not the point of this. But I said, here are two people looking at the highest elected office of the land. And as I was approaching my 50th birthday, and I was thinking, you know, with the technology that God and his wisdom and grace and mercy has given us, and different things like that, and slowly watching some insulin numbers, you know, go up a little bit, still within range, well, a little bit above range. But I asked myself, you know, what would it look like to live another 50 years and let God use you in that way Mm -hmm. and make an impact? And my mom had once said to me, she said, baby, my mind is fine. It's just my body can't take me to places that my mind wants to go. Mm. And then just through a number of just like things, you know, over the last you know couple of years working, especially last year, as we're coming up on a year since my brother died unexpectedly, you know, I've dropped almost about 60 pounds. My, my blood levels and my numbers are optimized. So, so when I peed that blood clot back uh, in March and I, I'd never had a, you know, kidney stone, I wasn't in pain, nothing. It kind of freaked people out. And so that's what led to the biopsy, came back cancer-free, nothing, all clear on tissue. And so it kind of seems strange to end up with these types of, you know, hand pain clot. We've since found out on my MRI that I had some sort of weird fracture 
my orthopedic said it can, it can happen even from pulling the cord on a lawnmower. I'm still baffled. He, he told me not to, you know, overthink it, but that's mm-hmm. kind of hard. Um, you know, but it's basically, you know, it changed. And what we'll talk about today is divine detours. Because what I had planned for July, you know, working-wise, getting ready for school, consulting-wise, speaking, and things like that, got dramatically changed and put on pause. And, uh, yeah, I still have, like, another month of, like, no activity and, um, you know, and just slow recovery and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's a really kind of strange place to be in. Um, and even like my heart's desire is to bless other people and, and looking forward to blessing other people in ways and pouring into them, you know, and you have to sit in a place and have other people, you know, give them the opportunity to point into you. Um, my friend, Pastor Andy Gray and Dr. Chris Brooks, you know, they put together a GoFundMe. So I did, you're not, you're kind of, you know, bed bound. I never thought I'd be sitting in a hospital you know, passing clots, having pain like this. And yet in the midst of that, um, it's been something that, you know, has been helpful and forming, you know. And Bill, sometimes we we hear people say uh, Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works together for the good for those who love them. And sometimes there's some things in life that, you know, really, really stink, like really, really stink. And, uh, you know, a neat person who's doing ministry contacted me this a few days ago to say that their, their brother-in-law had ended their life. Mm. And that was really hard. Yet verse 29 of Romans eight, chapter eight, after it says, we know all things work together for good. It starts off with the word for, which gives the purpose and reason of verse 28. And it says, for those he predestined to be conformed into the likeness of his son, Jesus. And so sometimes with some really stinky, just junky, like hard things, those things sometimes, they, they conform us into the likeness of Christ. And, and honestly, when I think about what Jesus suffered, not just in body, because, you know, that hurt, but what he suffered in the sins of the world and the first time in all of eternity past being separate from his father. Like it gave me a kind of like, I, you know, I text her friend and I can't journal, can't really use my hand, but I was sitting there thinking like, man, what Christ has done for me. So it kind of gives this kind of experiential reality that takes some things from theory and it moves it from the esoteric theory to the, I know that I know now. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, David. Let's uh, let's continue on this topic of divine desires detours. I know there's some places in Scripture that really point this out well. Yeah, you know, one of the things, um, you know, I heard a fascinating message from um, Dr. Charlie Dates, one of my fellow seminarians at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He's the, uh, he's a senior pastor of both the, you know, 25,000 member Salem Baptist Church in Chicago and Progressive Baptist, which is one of the oldest African-American church. And this dude is perhaps, hands down, one of the best preachers, homileticians, expositors, 
of God's word today. And, um, you know, and he had been doing a, a study looking at Joseph's life, and Joseph experienced some divine detours that took him to places. Um, but today it also had me thinking of Elijah, Elisha, and even Jesus. And so uh, in First Kings chapter 17, Elijah shows up on the scene, and he predicts a drought to Ahab. You know, and in between that first part of chapter 17 and then when Elijah confronts Ahab in chapter 18, the Lord actually tells him to go to Zarephath, which belongs in Sidon. So God actually takes him on this, you know, really interesting detour up to this Gentile, you know, nation and land um, that was known for its, you know, being Gentile, for knowing that it was uh, a lot of Baal worship. It's from it's the place that Jezebel was from, mm-hmm. and and here God sends the man, <laughs> He sends His people uh, into this place. And you know the crazy thing is that when Elijah goes to Zarephath, it's actually the widow, the Gentile person who ends up ministering to the prophet, which is kind of wild because you'd almost think it's the other way, and and. In my time of this this kind of strange happening, I, I've had some really near dear brothers and sisters just really in the body of Christ bless me and just be there. And and like listen, when I say bless, I mean like simple things like a phone call, like stopping by. Like Bill, I said it last week, I'll say it again. Like so huge for me for you to come visit me in the hospital, to come see me and Tammy. Mm. And you know, there's it, sometimes we think it's really like these really major things, like we have to do all these like big fanfare types of things. But sometimes it's the simple, very substance thing, you know. And I can't, I can't help but say, you know, Bill, when you've told me before, like David, I love you. When you, when you say it now, there's something different about that, mm. you know. And and I want to encourage, you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ you know, to be reaching out. I know we're busy. And Tammy often would say, she'd say, babe, you know, it's interesting. People are busy. They're busy, busy, and we're running to and fro and here and there. But what are we busy doing? Because it doesn't always seem like we're busy building relationships and building community. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if there's someone that, that God brings to your mind, even as we're talking about this right now today, just pause for a moment. And I mean, like, Bill, you, you know, you didn't camp out, you know, you didn't, you didn't pitch a tent. Like you came, you stayed for a moment, encouraged me, prayed for me. And like you went, but you know, sometimes, um, it's that saying, you know, like, uh, not so much the years, how many years you live, but how much life you've had in those years. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the moments that take our breath away. And so, like, it's amazing, like, out of the many, many minutes of a day, what it meant for me to have my brother, that I have the ridiculous privilege. And I know you feel this, and I know that you've wept and cried for our listening family. Mm-hmm. And, and like me, want to see Christ formed in them and in us, and want to communicate this incredible gospel. There's something about you taking those moments, just, just the love. And, and, you know, and like, 
I know Bill would not want me to say this to impress you guys, but I'm saying this to impress upon you, you know, like walking the walk and talking the talk and, and really doing that. And, and that's one of the sweet things that I love because like Mitchell, you know, being in Steeler Tim, he, he's a man of substance. He's a man of his word. He's a man of character. And in today's day, those things really matter. It's almost like the bar is getting set lower and lower. And it's, it's, it's an incredible time to let your light shine and glorify your God and Father in heaven, Matthew 5. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for all that, David. That's very nice, very sweet. You know, I think one of my mottos, one of my mottos is suit up and show up. You know, you don't have to have anything predecided as to what you're going to say, but sometimes just your presence is all it takes. Yeah, Bill, you hit upon something because, like, <laughs> in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 3, God comes down, manifests himself in a bush. In Exodus 20, God speaks from the mountain to Moses and lays out the commandment. In 1 Kings, God comes and speaks in the sound of silence to Elijah as he's running away from Jezebel. Mm-hmm. But then in John chapter 1, the Bible says that the Word became flesh, that Jesus put flesh on his bone, and he moved into the neighborhood, and he was both full of grace and full of truth. And I remember Dr. Steve Rohr, my pastoral duties uh, professor um, at Trinity, you know, he said something you know, to us in our class, and he says, you know, one of the things that we often get called upon, and it's not just, it's not just pastors, because there's the priesthood of believers, so all believers, but it's this thing called the ministry of presence. It's the ministry of presence. It's, it's what Damien, the unbeliever who's been calling me all the time, mm-hmm. and um, hey, here's an interesting newsflash, by being able to go through the pain, it's allowed me an opportunity to minister and witness to a guy that I've been praying for over a decade for. And the other day he called me and he said, would you pray for me? And as I started praying for him, he like interrupted and he began to pray to God. Wow. And then we were getting ready to get off the phone. And he said, you know, Pastor Miles, I'm like, Damien, call me David. He said, do you mind if I pray for you? And he prayed for me. And he's like, Father God, I prayed just that you, and he got done and he said, you know, I've really never done something like that. That was amazing. Like that was, that was cool. So like this particular thing in his life, if I didn't have the privilege though, when you heard it doesn't feel like a privilege, but if, but if I didn't have the privilege of going through that, that ability, and he and I talked about this of just kind of you know, this kind of connection, because I'm not just telling him these things, but he's getting to see me go through pain, even as he's recovering from a surgery. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there's a more like, it, there's a more like realness to that. And in the same way, I think sometimes our pain, it gives us opportunities to connect with people and sometimes unbelievers and other believers that we wouldn't connect with unless we went through those things. Yeah, such a good point. All right, David Miles, let me take a short break. We'll be back with more of the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles is my guest, and we'll be right back. 
We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. We're back with the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles and I are at it once again. We do this weekly and look forward to it. We're talking today about divine desires detours. Sometimes that's what happens. God has planned for you and it doesn't look quite the way you had it planned, but it's all very purposeful and God is shaping you and turning you into the man or woman he wants you to be. And we sometimes see that as an inconvenient interruption, but when I look at a lot of the ministry of Jesus, it was he was on his way and then was stopped. And there was usually something going on, and then he was stopped. And that's when all the ministry happened. Does that sound about right, David? You know what? It does sound about right, you know, Bill. And, um, you know, I go back to, you know, the wisdom of you know, my better three quarters, my wife, Tammy, you know, and talking about sometimes like, you know, do we have margin in our life to be able to um, see those moments? And, and sometimes what pain does and things like that, you know, it slows us down to see certain things, um, you know, that we didn't. And the impact of us, you know, doing these things, <laughs> and sometimes like, the truth of the matter is on some of this, like I, I didn't necessarily choose to take this, this last, you know, um, 24 some odd days, 25 days. Um, but like, you know, it's like resting and trusting in him and let's get it. Let's not get it twisted. Cause like, it's not just been, you know, praise God from whom all blessings flow this whole period of time. Mm-hmm. It hasn't. Like, I'm not going to, like, you know, blow smoke on you guys. You know, there's moments where it's just like, this is cool. And then there's moments like, God, I'm not really getting your timing right now on some of these things. And, um, you know, but also it's interesting because my family and kids, my family, is, you know, we had a, a dinner the other day and just had a really just neat conversation of the gospel and what God is doing through this and speaking. And some of the things that we do or some of the things we experience, our families see and they model. And, you know, what's interesting is that in the Bible, you go over to Second Kings and you see Elisha who followed Elijah. And in that passage, you see Elisha come to the widow and the widow basically, you know, doesn't, doesn't have anything. And she's like ready to be, be done. And like Elisha then is used of God to minister to this person, you know, again, up in Gentile territory mm-hmm. and, you know, outside of, you know, the common kind of, you know, churchy temple areas. And, and he's connecting people and both for the, the widow at Zarephath, um, if you read into the story, too, because, you know, she basically had been a mistress to somebody so that when her son dies after she serves Elijah, she's like, you know, has my sin come upon me? And then, like, same with this this um, other woman. You know, these are people that are kind of your, 
you know, unusual characters, but both of them end up being in God's holy word. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, that's like utterly cool. Like we might not know their names, but like God knew them. And, you know, that's super cool. Now, one of the things is my son's getting ready to head off. My second son, Jackson, was on last week. He is getting ready to head off to Grand Canyon University, getting ready to study exercise science. Mm-hmm. And so, so what would happen in this painful situation? I would end up having this hand situation that no one really could figure out and connecting with someone who does like cold laser therapy and, and really, you know, some cutting edge things. Well, in getting that type of treatment for my hand and different therapies, this group actually connected me with a guy who worked with pro athletes. And I, I really am looking for this guy is such an incredible man. I, I, it's, I, seriously, it's an honor to be able to meet him. You know, Mark Ellis right. is his name. And, and doing things where I'm, like I met a woman who had a stroke. And the doctors told her husband, like, look, you're, you're just going to be paralyzed. And the gal was like, no, you know, um, I think God still may want something different and connected her with some things. And this gal, I, I met her, she's, she's walking. And, but what was neat about it is this type of work that they do is the stuff that my son was looking at doing. So through this pain, I ended up getting connected with this guy who then ends up last week um, having my son shadow him in this very high-level type of um, recovery and dealing with inflammation mm-hmm. that elite athletes and Olympians, but they also want to bring it to everyday people because they don't want people. Like, I would have never met this guy, nor would I have experienced even some of the accelerated healing that I have if I would not have went through this pain. And, and here's a guy who's very connected in, in different high-level athletic things and is looking at doing some stuff with some of the people that he knows in the pros down in the Southwest region where my son will be. And he's like, would love to have you connect down there and grow as you're going to school. I mean, like, Bill, I didn't plan any of that. And and what I want to say again, not to impress you, but to impress upon people. Like sometimes we don't plan and sometimes we don't even understand the things that we're going through. And the things that God is setting up in the lives of other people, and even people that we love near us, and even people that we don't know, but God loves and wants us to connect with them. So, like, I would have never planned any of this. And so, like, so like I want to encourage someone today. Like, and we've done it before. Like, I've done this, on, like, encouraging people on the radio, but still in this place of recovery. Like, I want to encourage people as I encourage myself and trusting God who's, who is sovereign, who does care, and to remind people that delayed does not mean de- denied, that God is sovereign, that your condition does not equal your conclusion, and that your adversity and my adversity is the fertilizer to God's future harvest in our lives. And again, the purpose of a harvest is to feed other people. Mm. Good words, David. You know, I've said this many times, but there's nothing inconsequential in God's economy. No. Not that I'm, uh, you know, glad that you've gone through the suffering you've gone through, because I don't like it for you, but I do see God's hand at work in remarkable ways. Yeah, I'll say it has been unpleasant. Yeah. You know, but but I tell you last week when I sat in the chair, looking across at you, 
like, you know, like the, the men on the road to Emmaus and Jesus showed up and they knew Jesus. And when he disappeared, he said, did not our hearts warm inside of us as we walked along the way. And the Thessalonians, when Paul writes, and he says, not only did you delight to share in the gospel, but your very lives as well. Mm-hmm. And, and so those are some of the things you can't buy at Sam's Club. You, you can't watch on Netflix. There, there's some deeper, richer things that the world keeps throwing substitutes at us and keeping us busy with. And sometimes God's like, do you realize the blessing mm. for you and for others and in your relationship with God himself that I'm giving you? And look, he let his own son put on flesh and come to the, to the world and incarnate live among us and even suffer. And the fruit of his life is eternal. Yeah. Amen. David, thank you once again. I'm praying for you and we'll continue to uh, do so. And uh, God bless your um, your week. I'll talk to you soon, I hope. All right, bro. God All bless right. you guys too. Pastor David Miles has been my guest for the Monday Afternoon Mix. You know, if you uh, like listening to Faith Radio and you don't have the Faith Radio app, I can't think of a better time than to get it on your phone or your iPad or whatever it is you have. See what you think about it. Check it out. I think you'll like it. You can text uh, the word uh, app to 877-933-2484, and we can help you get that uh, on your phone or your iPad. We'll take a break. When we come back, Dr. Marcus Bachman's in the green room. I can see him right from here. He's on in just a minute. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.